Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, beloved, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Let us start off with two foundational scriptures today. 2 Timothy 2.19 Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Amen. And let us come over here to 1 Peter 1. Let us begin in verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not even see him now, you believe and trust in him. And you greatly rejoice and delight with inexpressible and glorious joy, receiving as the result, the outcome, the consummation of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Regarding this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace of God that was intended for you, searched carefully and inquired about this future way of salvation, seeking to find out what person or what time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he foretold the sufferings of Christ and the glories destined to follow. It was revealed to them that their services, their prophecies regarding grace were not meant for themselves and their time, but for you, beloved, in these things, the death, resurrection, and glorification of Jesus Christ which have now been told to you by those who preached the gospel to you, 
by the power of the Holy Spirit who was sent from heaven into these things. Even the angels long to look. Amen. Verse 13 of 1 Peter 1. So, prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober in spirit, steadfast, self-disciplined, spiritually and morally alert. Fix your hope completely on the grace of God that is coming to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Live as obedient children of God. Do not be conformed to the evil desires which governed you in your ignorance before you knew the requirements and transforming power of the good news regarding salvation. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. Be set apart from the world by your godly character and moral courage because it is written, you shall be holy, set apart, for I am holy. Verse 17. If you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in reverent fear of him and with profound respect for him throughout the time of your stay on earth. Amen. Beloved, I don't know about you all, but this is why I absolutely love the word of God. It is telling us that if we address God as Father that means we are born again and filled with his Holy Spirit. So if we address him as our Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy holy name, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, well then, conduct yourselves since we address God as Father, right? Well, that must mean we are His children. Therefore, conduct yourselves in reverent fear of Him and with profound respect for Him throughout the time of your stay on earth. Amen. You want to know why this is so key for us today? Verse 19. Verse 19 of 1 Peter 1. Listen. You were actually purchased with precious blood like that of a sacrificial lamb, unblemished 
and spotless. The priceless blood of Christ. Amen. Therefore, conduct yourselves in reverent fear of him and with profound respect for him throughout. That means from the day you were born again until he snatches you out of that body suit. We are to conduct ourselves like we fear the Lord with respect. Amen, beloved. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Well, beloved. Mm. Hold on. I got to have something to drink because I know... Oh, by God's grace, the Holy Spirit is going to impart some key fundamentals into our spirits today. So, I pray that that passage of scripture we just read keep us sober-minded. As we get into what we're about to talk today... So, what we talking about today, well, you keep gambling with your soul, you're going to perish. So, stop it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, when you say, Cynthia, gambling, what do you mean by gambling? And what are those things? Are we gambling with that will send our souls straight to a burning hell? Well, you know what, precious? I'm so glad you asked because I prepared a little list. Yep, just a little one. Worldliness. Mm-hmm. You and I keep gambling with this world. We're going to perish. What else is on the list? Adultery, both marital adultery and these adulterous remarriages. Not to mention spiritual adultery. Listen, beloved, if you are claiming Jesus as your Lord and Savior and yet you are still enmeshed with this world, you are committing spiritual adultery. All we have to do is turn back to the Old Testament to see just how much God hates spiritual adultery. Yeah, he hates spiritual harlotry. It is a stench in his nose. So you may ask, what is Spiritual adultery, well, spiritual adultery is unfaithfulness to God. It is having an undue fondness for the things of the world. Spiritual adultery is, it is compared. It is likened to the unfaithfulness of one's spouse. Listen to Jeremiah 3.20. 
but like a woman faithless to her lover. Even so, have you been faithless to me, O house of Israel, says the Lord. And if we look at Isaiah 1.21, how the faithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderous. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 57, 8. Behind the door and the doorpost, you have set up your memorial for deserting me. You have uncovered your bed. You have gone up to it. You have made it wide and you have made a covenant for yourself with them. You have loved their bed. You have looked on nakedness. Amen. I told you. He hates it. Ezekiel 16.30 How sick is your heart, declares the Lord God, because you did all these things, the deeds of a brazen prostitute. Amen. See, beloved, when we go a-whoring with this world, God hates it completely. Listen, the Bible tells us that people who choose to be friends with the world are an, an adulterous people, having enmity against God. That's what James 4 Verses 4 to 5 says, listen, you adulterous people, exclamation point, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns, je he yearns jealousy over the spirit. Amen. Listen, the world here mentioned mm -hmm, in James 4, 4, it is the system of evil under Satan's control. Listen, John 12, 31 now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Amen. Look, Ephesians 2, 2. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work. In the sons of disobedience. This is what the Bible calls the world. It is the satanic Babylonian Luciferian system of evil. All that is evil in this world. It is it is ran and 
promoted by Satan. The Bible just called him the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Mm-hmm. 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Amen. Beloved, the world system with its contrived and deceitful scheme of phony values, worthless pursuits, and unnatural affections, let us not forget unnatural affections, is designed to lure us away from our pure relationship with God. Spiritual adultery is the forsaking of God's love and the embracing of the world's values and desires. Yes, it is truly disgusting that we too were once part of that phony superficial value. Mm-hmm. All of it, all of the evil in some form or fashion, we all participated in. But glory be to God for his Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 7 to 8 says, For the mind, okay, that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. So you wanted to know what I meant by how we gamble our souls and will ultimately end up in the lake of fire. It is when we commit spiritual adultery, when we wrap our born again arms back around this world, thinking that it's okay because see, now I know what's up. No, you don't. You can't possibly know what's up if you are still doing these things that we will be talking about today. You are deceived. You are not, quote unquote, woke. You are still asleep, thus saith the Lord. I gave you all the word of the Lord in the last episode. The church is asleep, especially among those who claim to be believers, but they don't obey Jesus. Oh, they, they are fast asleep. Mm-hmm. Those who are truly his sheep, we got one eye open and one eye closed. Because at some point, this body must rest. But that born-again spirit is wide awake, waiting. Just in case the bridegroom comes while the, while the rest of the world is sleep in drunkenness and whoredom. Oh, we're going to be ready. Mm-hmm. And this is why the Lord is raising up messengers to herald and cry aloud. We cannot be dead 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. We cannot be dead. Meaning, you are not alive to the things of God. You may be walking around and breathing, but you are still lost. You are still dead. No born again child of God filled with his Holy Spirit continues to practice lawlessness as a lifestyle. I'm not talking about missing the mark. I'm not talking about, well, well, you must have sinless perfection. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how we don't make it a practice to commit spiritual adultery, nor these things I'm about to list. But let's finish dealing with what is spiritual adultery. Romans 8. 7 8 right the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law indeed it cannot those who are in the flesh cannot please God you're gambling with your soul if you are still in the flesh still being attached to this world Listen, spiritual adultery includes any form of idolatry. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel tried to mix the worship of other gods such as Baal with that of God. Judges, Judges 3, 7. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served and served the Baals and the Asterisk. First Kings sixteen thirty one to thirty three says And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal. In the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria, and Ahab made an Astera. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of, of Israel who were before him. Amen. And we know that is a daggone shame. Jeremiah 19.5 And have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or decree, nor did it come into my mind. Amen. Thus saith the Lord. So, in doing so, Israel became like an adulterous wife who wanted both a husband and another lover. 
Jeremiah 9.2 Oh, that I had in the desert a traveler's lodging place, that I, might, that I might leave my people and go away from them. For they are all adulterous, a company of treacherous men. Amen. The Lord is saying he wished he can go away and travel somewhere, but he can't. You want to know why? Because every time he leaves the house, his wife gets the cheating on him. Oh, that I had in the desert a traveler's lodging place, that I might leave my people and go away from them. For they are all adulterers, a company of treacherous men. Amen. Ezekiel 6, 9. Yes, beloved, we are digging into the Old Testament because some of y'all ain't even reading the Bible. Mm -mm. You are only taking those little bits and morsels that the apostate bishop keeps feeding you about how the blessings of God will just run you over. Mm -hmm. But no one is digging into Jeremiah 9, 2, Judges 3, 7, 1 Kings 16, 31 to 33. And I know no one is tapping into Ezekiel 6, 9. Let's read it. Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive. How I have been broken over their whoring heart that has departed from me and over their eyes that go a whoring after their idols. And they will be lonesome, loathsome in their own sight. Let me open this up. It says, in their own sight for the evils that they have committed for all their abominations. Amen. Beloved, listen. The Lord has feelings. Just like you have feelings. If you are married and your spouse commits adultery, you mean to tell me you won't feel some kind of way? Mm-hmm. Yes, you would. And many have lost their minds and killed their spouses along with themselves because of how they felt when they found out that their spouse committed adultery. Well, how much more grieved will holy God be when he sees his children whoring with this world? He says he was broken over. The fact that their whoring heart has departed from him and he was, and he was, what it says? He was broken over their eyes that go a whoring after their idols. Listen, he's right. They could not be trusted. <laughs> you can't be trusted. And this is why in the natural, some men and women keep complaining about how jealous their their spouses are. Well, maybe if you stop looking at other men and women whoring with your eyes, not to mention your your body parts, 
then maybe they won't be on you so much. Where you going? What time you coming back? Let me see the phone. Who's this? Who's that? Who's texting you at this time of the night? Maybe if you remain faithful, they won't have to act like a crazy person because they can't trust you. You give them reason to act like a maniac. You give them reason to act like a jealous, crazy person because you keep looking over here, looking over there, got your eyes in places it should not be, just like the children children of Israel. Their eyes were on those, those godless, worthless idols. And yeah, the Lord felt some kind of way, and rightly so. Rightly so. What else we got here? Mm. Yeah, Ezekiel 16.32, adulterous wife who receives strangers instead of her husband. Mm-mm-mm. Somewhere else among the prophets, I believe it was Jeremiah, could have been Ezekiel, could have been Isaiah. The Lord was like talking about Israel and making this analogy like a camel in heat, like a slut. When her husband gives her everything she wants, but yet she goes running after lovers, just just lifted up her, her skirt, spreading her legs wide. And I'm like, whoa, the Lord ain't pulling no punches. He wants us to see just how nasty it is to go a whoring with this world and their idols when we have holy God to give us what we need. And he tells us we ain't got to worry about our life. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness. That means Make sure you are in right standing with him. Are you born again? Have you repented? Are you living clean and holy? Stop worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, because this is what the pagans do. Those in the world, they, they run after those things in the world. So, back over here to... Spiritual idolatry, oh beloved, it's so much we got to get to today. In the New Testament, right, James. James defined spiritual adultery, didn't he? He defines it as claiming. Oh, I keep telling y'all about claiming. Claiming to love God while cultivating friendship with the world. We just read James 4 verses 4 to 5. The person who commits spiritual adultery is one who professes to be a Christian yet finds his real love and pleasure in the things that Satan offers. Oh, Beloved, what the Holy Spirit is teaching us today. For believers, 
the love of the world and the love of God are direct opposites. You better know it, beloved. Believers committing spiritual adultery may claim to love the Lord, but in reality, but in reality, they are captivated by the pleasures of this world, its influence, comforts, financial security, and quote-unquote freedom. Mm-hmm, all of these so-called freedoms. You ain't free. No, you are still a slave to sin. The concept of spiritual adultery against God is a major theme throughout the Old Testament. And we're going to read those scriptures. Yep, Isaiah 54, 5. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. Amen. Look, Jeremiah 3.20. Surely, as a, as a treacherous wife leaves her husband, so have you been treacherous to me, O house of Israel, declares the Lord. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel, Ezekiel 16, 15 to 19. Listen, but you trusted in your beauty mm -hmm, and played the whore because of your renown and lavished and your lavished. What? Because of your renown and lavish your whorings on any passerby. Your beauty became his. You took some of your garments and made for yourself colorful shrines and on them played the whore. The like has never been nor ever shall be. You also took your beautiful jewels of my gold, mm, of my gold and of my silver, which I had given you and made for yourself images of men and with them played the whore and you took your embroidered garments to cover them and set my oil and my incense before them also my bread that I gave you I fed you I fed you with fine flour and oil and honey you set before them a pleasing aroma. And so it was, declares the Lord God. Oh, beloved, can't you see? Because if you can't see, yes, you are spiritually blind that the Lord hates. He's jealous. His name is jealous. He's a jealous God. He saved us. And what do we do with this wonderful gift of salvation we didn't earn? We go right back out into this world, whoring like a whore after the things that Satan offers. Beloved, I'm done. I'm done. I should, oh, I should just shut it off today. No, listen. Okay. The concept of spiritual adultery against God 
is a major theme throughout the Old Testament. And this theme is illustrated especially in the book of Hosea. The prophet's wife, Gomer, Gomer symbolizes the infidelity of the children of Israel. Hosea's commitment to Gomer symbolizes God's faithful, patient love with his people who constantly cheats on him. Mm -hmm. Jesus, listen, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Matthew 6, 24. Beloved, the Bible exhorts us, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Amen. 1 John 2, 15 to 16. Mm-hmm. I already gave you a 1 Peter 1. Mm-hmm. The love of the world is primarily an attitude of one's heart. And we can cast away worldliness by cultivating a new affection. To avoid spiritual adultery, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Colossians 3 verse 2, beloved. Mm -hmm. So, getting back to my little list here about you keep gambling, okay, with your soul, you're going to perish. You're going to perish. So, <clears throat> if you are claiming Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and yet you are still enmeshed in this world, yep. You are committing adultery, spiritual adultery. So, what else I got on this list? Mm-hmm. Fornication, gambling, sports. Yes, listen. Not only are the players, the professional athletes, are in sin, it is called Immolation. That is a work of the flesh. We see immolation over there in Galatians 5, where Paul was exhorting us what those works of the flesh are, and immolation is on the list. So I don't care how many athletes claim they are Christian, they're not. They're not. Well, yes, because they I saw so-and-so wearing a cross and the Pope wears a cross. You mean tell me he's of God too? Mm-mm. Listen, sports, 
create rivalry, jealousy, and selfish ambition. And this is where the sin of emulation comes into play. And not to mention those who idolize sports figures. Well, that's idolatry. Your affection is not for God. Your favorite sports team sits on the throne of your heart. You will rather watch the the playoffs and the finals and the Super Bowl and World Series and Stanley Cup, whatever they call for hockey. You will rather do that than be out evangelizing somewhere. Uh-huh. Yep. What else is on the list? Well, idolatry, lying, murder, lasciviousness. Lasciviousness, folks, is a sin. I don't know if you all know this, but setting out the sexy is sin. Sin. Sensuality. Because see, this is what the men in the, and women in the world, this is how they parade around. In nakedness. They might as well just take off all of their clothes and walk around naked. They can't keep fabric on their bodies to, to literally save their souls. So, born again children, we cover up these bodies in modest apparel. That means coming out of those yoga pants, tight-fitting jeans, cut-up jeans, uh, booty skirts, cleave, uh, cleavage showing. I was about to say Cleveland. Women, women, my sisters, come on now. Breasts, hips, thighs, backsides, fronts, everything on full display. And you are the prophetess. You are the one singing in the choir, looking like a harlot. Beloved, that's sin. Well, I can't help it. God gave me this body. Yes. And what did Jesus say about that body? We are to fear God for he has the ability to throw both soul and body into hell. We must cover up these bodies. We do not want to be stumbling blocks for the brethren who looks upon a man or a woman and lusts in their hearts. It's not about you. Stop being selfish. Your problem is you are still in this world. Mm-hmm. So why are, thank you, Holy Spirit, why are you even buying those types of clothing and shoes? All of these scandal sandals. High heels, stilettos, red bottoms, you name them. Why are you even going to the stores, buying them, and bringing them home? Because you know you're going to wear them. And if you do have a body, you're going to want to put on the things that accentuate those body parts. And men, y'all to be playing games with all of those 
tight fitted muscle shirts showing off those guns and pecs and abs, calves, come on, that's sin. We must cover up these bodies, playing the harlot, playing the gigolo, all of this flirtatious attitudes and just sensual and sexy and worldly. You're gambling with your soul. And if you don't repent, and if you don't put some clothes on, you're going to perish. I will perish. Listen, I am not condemning you, but I'm bringing correction. The Bible says, let the older woman teach the younger woman. Women, I'm telling you, my sisters, we got to cover up these bodies. We are stumbling blocks to our brethren when they look upon these vessels and get the lusting in their hearts. They commit adultery, Jesus says. Do you want to be the one responsible for anyone going to a burning hell? Well, they should be able to keep their eyes to themselves. See? See what I'm talking about? You worldly. Uh-huh. You're going to lose your soul. What else is on my little list here? Up gossiping. Mm-hmm. These are, these are these things that we gamble with. And if we don't stop it and... And I'm going to say it like this. Act like we got some spiritual sense. And be holy like we are commanded to. Then this sanctification problem. Um, this sanctification process. Will not be a problem for you. What else? Gossiping. Watching worldly. Reality shows. Gossip news shows. Hot topic shows, mm -hmm. not believing the truth of Jesus' teachings, unbelief, falling away, apostasy. Mm -hmm. You're not fearing the Lord at all if you are willfully indulging these things. Do you not know that God watches everything we do? You ain't doing nothing in secret, beloved. Listen, we may not see you, but the Lord sees it all. Mm -hmm. It's no fear of the Lord in your life. That's the problem. Yep, I'm coming on strong today because I love you. Mm -hmm. You rather have your ears tickled by wolves in sheep's clothing who tells you that as long as you believe in Jesus, you are assured to inherit his kingdom and it won't matter how you live because you are saved by the blood of Jesus. You have your sins forgiven. You have the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. And yet, and yet, you remain in habitual, blatant, deliberate sin. Listen, hold on a minute. I need something to drink. Okay, I'm back. So listen, if any one of us Okay, myself included, continue to indulge in these things and the like guarantees you will not, you will not 
inherit the kingdom of God, but will go straight to a burning hell as you await final judgment to hear your name has not been found written in the Lamb's book of life. And the Bible says in Revelation 20:15, you or I will be thrown into the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone. Jesus calls this the second death. Listen, many people, many people cannot handle the truth. Many people cannot handle the truth of the word of God. Many people cannot handle Jesus' teachings. And that is the truth. You can present the truth to them. You can tell them, thus saith the Lord. But if they are not willing to come out of that sin, they will suppress the truth. They will even deny the truth and claim that Jesus knows their hearts. They will say, but God's grace. They will say, but the blood of Jesus washed away my sin. They will pull out all of the promises in Christ that we will not face God's wrath, but they will not pull out those scriptures that tell us to be holy. I keep telling you all, people cannot handle the truth. They want the truth. They want, they want to be told the truth. But then when you tell them the truth, they go, well, no, ain't no well. <laughs> oh, well, no, nothing. Let me just stick to my notes because I, I, I feel a rabbit hole about to open up. Listen, mm-hmm. well, I'll leave it off. I tell you, here we go. But they will not pull out those scriptures that tell us to be holy, uh-huh, to live clean and sober lives. Mm -mm. To not grieve Holy Spirit in this sanctification process as he consecrates us and set us apart for God's purposes and plans. Nope, they never want to go to those scriptures that tells us that we cannot love anyone more than we love Jesus. That we must pick up our cross daily and deny ourselves and follow Christ. They keep saying they are believers. That they believe in Jesus. That Jesus died for their sins and he was buried and rose again on the third day. They believe. And that is all that they are. Believers, the Bible says even demons believe and shudder at the name of Jesus. But these believers are not followers. That's a difference. That is a stark difference. Because Jesus says that his sheep follow him. 
he makes no mention in John 10, 27 that his sheep believes in him. He said that his sheep that are his own listen and follows him and thus they obey him. Let's turn to it. Let us turn to John 10, 27, because many are deceived to think that all they have to do is believe in Jesus. They don't have to live a clean and holy life. Why? Because they claim they believe in Jesus. Again, demons, right? Holy Spirit, thank you. Demons believe in Jesus too. So what you really talking about, Jesus calls us to be followers. And because we follow him, we obey him. That's what believing and trusting in Jesus is all about, beloved. It is all about obedience. And this word obedience, just like the word repentance, is like kryptonite. To those believers. Mm-hmm. You mentioned obeying and living a, a repentant life. You are called a legalist. You are judgmental. You are preaching and teaching a work-based faith. Let us come over here. We must come over here to John 10. Hold on. Where we at? John 10. Yeah, I'm bringing y'all over here with me right now. Look, John 10, 27, right? John 10, 27 says, Jesus was saying, okay, he was addressing these Pharisees, the Jews, which were, no, who were self-righteous leaders and teachers of the law, Right? He, he was initially giving them the business, giving them this analogy without telling them that he was talking about them. They couldn't get it anyway. Even when Jesus plainly called them out, they still were like, huh, what? You, you can't be talking about us. Yes, I'm talking about you. Whoa, you Pharisees. So anyway... Actually, in verse 26, because they were they they kept pre pressuring him to plainly and and openly tell us if you are really the Christ. And Jesus was telling them, I have told you, I told you, and yet you do not believe and then he was saying that the works that I do in my father's name testify concerning me. They, all those miracles and works that he was doing in the father's name, they were his credentials and the evidence declaring who he was. In verse 26, he was telling them, but you do not believe me. So you do not trust and follow me. Why? Because you are not my sheep. Mm-hmm. Verse 27. The sheep that are my own hear my voice. 
and listen to me. That means obeying Jesus, folks. Yeah. What he said here? Uh-huh. Hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me. So tell me in that verse of, of passage. As a matter of fact, nowhere from, I want to say the whole chapter, but since my eyes are here on verse 22 to verse 31, nothing in here that Jesus is saying that his sheep believe in me. He says, He's saying that they listen, they follow. Now what? No, I'm going to give it to you in order. He says that they hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me. Verse 28, and I give them eternal life. Them who? Those who know Jesus' voice? Who ain't trying to hear no high-sounding nonsense from some wolf in sheep's clothing telling them that I can live however I want and still get to go to heaven. Mm -mm. I ain't listening to you no more. No, because my soul was on the line listening to you, making you and your ministry super rich. I ain't doing it. And I pray none of y'all are still up in these apostate denominational churches worshiping the bishop rather than Jesus Christ. So, he says he gives his sheep eternal life. Those who hear his voice, who listen to him and follow him. That's the one. Mm-hmm. That's the one who are his sheep. So when you when you try to tell these believers all of that, what do they do? They shake their heads. They shrug their shoulders and bow their heads in guilt and go, well, you know, Jesus understands. No, he doesn't. He doesn't understand that how he suffered a brutal, violent, bloody, horrific, mutilating death on your behalf, taking on the penalty for your sin, diverting God's wrath from you unto him, being nailed to a cross. So no, he doesn't understand that how he abolished and destroyed sin's control and dominance over your life. He nailed sin and death to the cross along with your past sins. So no, he don't understand why you continue to defy his command in John 8, 11 to go, comma, and sin no more. No, he don't understand why you are being stiff-necked and rebellious and adulterous with this world when he died for you. So don't tell me he understands because the Christ I know, he don't understand when he defeated what was keeping you hell bound.
And that is sin. So beloved. You know what we going to do today. Before I let you go. Like we do every day. Just about every day on the podcast. We are going to address sin. And what will happen. If we continue to indulge in it. Thinking obviously. That God is playing. Mm -mm. Because you see. By God's grace and by Holy Spirit power, I have to keep bringing these excitations to you because I keep running into believers. I long to run into followers on those precious few occasions. I have, in fact, ran into true followers of Jesus. Those who are serious about getting up out of here in one piece and meeting Jesus face to face. Yep, I I, I keep running into believers. And when we get to talking about sin, in particular, adulterous remarriages, this is where the line gets drawn. This line that is drawn separates the wheat from the tares. The tares look just like wheat, but they are not. They grow together with the wheat, but when harvest time comes, the reapers will gather the wheat into barns, But the tares will be bundled together and thrown into the fire to be burned. So what part of everlasting destruction and fire are we not understanding? Do you not understand that this life is temporal? The people in it that we want to cling on to by disobeying Jesus will not stand with you on the day of judgment when you and I have to give an account for our lives. Imagine trying to explain to Jesus that you claimed him as Lord and Savior. How are you going to even answer when he says, depart from me? I never knew you because Jesus says he knows his sheep. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And for him to say, depart from me, I never knew you. That means, ipso facto, you were never his sheep. I keep telling you all, Christ is not confused about his doctrine. He's not. You're confused. You got him mixed up with that fake phony Jesus that the bishop keeps preaching on week after week. That feel good Christmas time, Easter time, Lent Jesus. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. The wheat and the tares, they do grow up together. Tares even look like wheat. The reaper knows. (laughs) Thank you, Holy Spirit. The reaper knows the difference between the wheat 
and the tares. And the tares will be burned. Yep. Uh-huh. A lot of people are going to be shell-shocked on Judgment Day because many have never obeyed Jesus. Mm-mm. Never crucified that flesh. They took what he did on their behalf as a joke. Although they claim, although they claim, yes, salvation is serious. But guess what? Their lifestyle displayed their true belief. Mm-hmm. So, you can claim you believe in Jesus. But when his teachings are pointed are pointed out to you and you defy them, you may need to re-examine where you are in the faith because something is amiss. You may not even be a believer. How, how could you say you believe in Jesus, but then when we point out the gospel, the four gospels and all of those teachings and you still say, yeah, well, you know, the Holy Spirit understands me. You know, he's, he's still working on me. Well, when are you going to crucify that flesh? When are you going to pick up your cross and really, truly follow Jesus? Or are you going to keep claiming that you are a believer to the end? Only to be told by Jesus, I don't know you. Because my sheep, they were following me. They were listening to me. And they were obeying me. What you going to do then? Huh? Because see, there is no more repentance once you get snatched out of this body suit. Listen. We must stop taking what Jesus did on our behalf as a joke. You keep saying, no, I'm not taking it as a joke, but you are. Look at your life. If you are living with a second and third spouse and your first spouse is still alive and breathing in the earth and you have remarried, Jesus says that's adultery. We give you the scriptures. You take them home and claim, well, that you are going to study them for yourselves. And then when we see you again and you bring up the whole subject and you still go, well, you know, well, I still, you still what? What you want to say, but you can't say it, but what you want to say is that you don't believe Jesus. You don't believe that this is what he actually meant. Well, then you are not even a believer. You keep saying that you don't believe that Jesus meant that. He didn't mean that I'm actually in adultery. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, you and your adulterous spouse keep sleeping with each other and you have a living spouse still alive. 
I told you, there are many. No, the Holy Spirit says there are many believers, but few followers. Wow. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So much is wrong here, beloved. People want to cling on to Jesus' promise of eternal life, but they do not want to abide in Jesus. Abide means to comply with. It means obey, follow, keep hold to, observe, conform to, heed, stick to his command. That's what abiding in Jesus. See, your situation is that you have a mental ascent of Jesus. You are worshiping a feel-good Jesus that will not call you on your sin. You don't want nobody talking about your sin. You fully understand that homosexuals, if they don't repent, they're going to hell. You understand that murderers, if they don't repent, they go into hell. You understand that rapists, if they continue to rape, if they don't repent, they go into hell. What about adulterers? Because adulterers is on the list too. And you are in an adulterer, an adulterous remarriage. You are committing adultery. Well, see, well, I don't believe so. It don't <laughs> Wake up. Your little feelings, my little feelings, will mean absolutely nothing on the day of judgment. How is that even going to pan out that you tell Jesus, well, I don't believe I was an adulterer when he said you are an adulterer? Well, well, I, I don't feel like I was one. <laughs> oh, beloved. Listen, it's funny, but it's not funny. Listen, this is so not a game. Christ Jesus is on his way back. So I have to ask, what's the point of having a savior if your life remains unchanged? And this is why the devil wants the, the preaching and teaching on repentance to be mocked and to be viewed as legalism. Beloved, scripture is clear. Salvation comes through repentance when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. When we hear the gospel. Listen, there must be a change of mind. This is what repentance is all about. A different way of thinking. You and I were heading in one direction straight to eternal destruction. And then we hear the gospel. We did a 180 degree turn in our minds and turn to Jesus. Yes, there must be a change of mind. A different way of thinking now. No longer do we want to sin. No longer do we want to deny God's existence? No longer do we want to make light of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Beloved, thank you, Holy Spirit. Without a turning in the mind, 
unless there is a 180 degree turn from sin to God, there will be no salvation. How could there be? If there, if there is no turning over the mindset that you no longer want to be a part of this world and you now know from the preaching of the gospel that the unsaved will stand before Jesus at the great white throne judgment to hear how their names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life and they will be thrown into the lake of fire to be tormented day and night with no relief. You now want to give your life to Christ. Therefore, we know that it is only by God's, excuse me, by God's grace that we are saved. It is his doing. It is his reconciling the world to him through the sacrificial atoning death of his son, Jesus Christ. God has made a way. Romans chapter 3 tells us God has made a way for sinners to be made right with him. When they put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Sinners. Do not wake up one day and just say, you know, you know what? I'm coming to Christ without the preaching of the gospel being preached to them so that they can repent. That's not how that works, beloved. Unless there's a change, a decisive act on your part. When you hear the preaching of the gospel without repentance, how are you to even receive the free gift that we didn't earn? We can't boast about it. It is only, only, only by God's grace. Well, how does a sinner receive it if he or she doesn't have a change of mind? That's the problem. People are not understanding what repentance is. Yes, it is a turning from sin. And now you do good works because you are born again. Not doing good works to get salvation. To be born again. Good righteous works is a direct byproduct of of the born again birth of the new birth amen we find out what biblical repentance is all about when jesus explained to us in luke 3 no i'm sorry luke 13 3 he says i tell you no but unless you repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways and live changed lives, you will all likewise perish. Amen. That's the Amplified. Beloved, as I'm about to leave you all, 
Okay. But I'll be back, Lord willing. Listen. We must understand the ramifications or ramification of Acts 17, 30 to 31. That says, therefore, God overlooked and disregarded the former ages of ignorance. But now, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. That is to change their old way of thinking, to regret their past sins, and to seek God's purpose for their lives. Why, beloved, why now is God calling all men to repentance? Verse 31. He has set a day when he will judge the inhabited world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and destined for that task. And he has provided credible proof to everyone by raising him from the dead. Amen. All right, you all. <clears throat> the hour is getting late. Literally and eternally. The hour for the coming of our Lord Jesus is practically right around the corner. Yes, I know many have been saying this for hundreds of years. Let's not get it twisted, though. He's coming. Oh, just like it was prophesied for him to come the first time. And what happened? He showed up. He said, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. It's right here. So, if that prophecy came to pass you mean to tell me his second coming is not going to come to pass and think about how long it took for him to come the first time ever since God declared this in Genesis that he will come look how many centuries it took for him to finally show up so these 2,000 plus years, who knows? It could be another 1,000 years, another 100 years. It could be within the next 20 years. Who knows? God does. He knows the hour and the day when the Lord will return. So in the meantime, in between time, this is so not the hour to be caught Living under the power of the flesh when he returns. Don't be like those five foolish virgins who who didn't who didn't even have enough oil in their lamps. What were they thinking about? Well, yes, Holy Spirit, they were thinking about the world. They thought they had all the time to do what was needed when the bridegroom came. They were 
claiming to be, let's just use this word, Christians. They had a part-time type of, I don't know, relationship similar, similar to what these believers have. Okay, Galatians 5, 17 to 21. We're going to be talking about the works of the flesh because we must constantly be reminded what sin is because some of y'all be acting like you don't know what sin is. Well, here we go again. The works of the flesh for the sinful nature has its desire, which is opposed to the spirit and the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature for these two, the sinful nature and the spirit are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, so that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. But if you are guided and led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now, the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, which is what? Total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. I warned you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen, beloved. We must believe in Jesus. We also must follow and obey Jesus. Because to really be a believer is that you obey Jesus. That's all that the Holy Spirit wants you to understand. If you are a believer in Christ, you are abiding in him. You're not defending sin. You're not making excuses for it. You are actually departing from iniquity each and every day. How are you living life? Now that you say you are born again because we have been commanded to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Where is your faith? Where is it? Because true faith has works of righteousness attached to it. It goes hand in hand. James says, without those works, your faith is dead. That means you are given lip service. 
You're not obeying Jesus. You're not following him. You're not crucifying the flesh. You keep indulging in the flesh. We have been commanded to make no provision for the flesh. What part of that aren't we understanding? Because some of us got the memo, but a whole lot hasn't. I keep telling you all, the Lord only gave me one message. That the Holy Spirit made over 600 episodes proclaiming and heralding the one message he gave me. To tell the people to repent or they will perish and that he is coming back and when he returns, he will have his reward with him and he will give to every single person. According to the fruit of their doings, he's going to give to every man according to his ways. We must be born again and follow Jesus. Whether or not we understand all of his teachings, teachings by faith, we believe them anyway. The Holy Spirit will make it plain to us. If you ask, thank you, Holy Spirit, are you even asking God for wisdom? Go to God. Stop going to your own finite thinking. <clears throat> and whatever you do, leave those apostate bishops alone. Leave them alone. Leave these false teachers alone. Come out from amongst them. They are blind. <clears throat> they are blind guides. They will lead you and themselves into a ditch for all of eternity. Stop gambling with your souls. Take your salvation seriously. Work it out with fear and trembling. Respect the Lord. Fear Him. Love Him with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love the brethren. Beloved, we must wake ourselves up. Sometimes I be feeling like John the Baptist crying aloud, repent. First Corinthians 6, 9 through 12, and then I'm going to let y'all go. Okay, because your blood will not be on my hands. I'm giving you, thus saith the Lord, what the scriptures say about those things that if we continue to practice them, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, Paul was telling the church at Corinth. Because if you think the madness is going on today, it was going on with the first century church too. Namely, at Corinth. <clears throat> you, had, you had one young man. He was sleeping with his father's wife. They had to put the man out the church. Um, they were they were bringing lawsuits. <clears throat> they they were bringing lawsuits among each other. 
dragging themselves to these pagan courtrooms. Sexual immorality was rampant. And then we come to verse 9. Because see, Paul was letting them know, y'all better stop it. Do you not know that the unrighteous, okay? And, and he's talking to believers. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate by perversion, nor those who participate in homosexuality, nor these, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, whose words are used as weapons to abuse, insult, humiliate, intimidate, or slander, nor swindlers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. And such were some of you before you believed, but you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified, set apart for God, and made holy. You were justified, declared free of guilt in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God, the source of the believer's new life and change behavior. Verse 12, everything is permissible for me, but not, but not all things are beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power, allowing it to control me. Amen. Beloved, is this your mindset? Why are you continually letting those things that God has clearly laid out is sin, why are you allowing them to be permissible in your life? They are not beneficial. Yeah, you can do it. But you better understand that you continue, I continue to indulge in anything that God has said it is sin, we're going to perish. We're going to perish. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, may we never forget Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. If we come up to verse 22, Father, but now, since you have been set free from sin and have become willing slaves to God, you have your benefit resulting in sanctification, being made holy and set apart 
for God's purpose. And the outcome of this is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, that is his remarkable, overwhelming gift of grace to believers is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Father, we know the Son is compassionate. He is our great God and Savior. He willingly endured the shame of the cross on our behalf. You, Father, demonstrated your love for humanity by sending the world a Savior. Jesus says that he didn't come for the self-righteous, but for sinners who need repentance. We see in Luke 5, 30 to 32, this is an exchange between Jesus and those self-righteous Pharisees. The Pharisees and their scribes, seeing those with whom he was associating, began murmuring in discontent to his disciples, asking, Why are you eating and drinking with the tax collectors and sinners, including non-observant Jews? And Jesus replied to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but only those who are sick. I did not come to call the self-proclaimed righteous who see no need to repent, but sinners to repentance, to change their old way of thinking, to turn from sin, and to seek God and his righteousness. Father Christ Jesus is absolutely clear. In Luke 13 5. Unless you repent. You will all likewise perish. Father we who have called on the name of the Lord to be saved. Should not even think about indulging in sin again. We see in Titus chapter 2, 11 to 14. Father, your grace is truly remarkable. It is, not only is it remarkable, but it is undeserved. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. For the remarkable undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly and moral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives. Lives with a purpose that reflect spiritual maturity in this present age awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus 
who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness and to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. Amen. Father, thank you for your mercy. We ask for wisdom, clarification, and understanding of your word. May Holy Spirit reveal to us who Jesus is. Help us to glorify Jesus because Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Father, we stand in awe of your greatness. We love you and we respect who you are. You are Lord God Almighty, creator of the heavens and the earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving my wretched soul. I am eternally grateful that I am no longer facing condemnation. Help me to walk the straight and narrow path each and every day. Strengthen me. Strengthen me in these last evil days, Father. May I not be counted among those who fall away from Jesus, who whose love for Jesus wax cold. May I always be on fire for the kingdom. May I always love the brethren. May I walk in your truth. Teach me your truth. And I ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. May the saints continue to follow Jesus. May we not only believe in Jesus, but that we hear and know his voice and that we follow him. We listen. We obey. We abide in Christ Jesus. That is my prayer for the saints, Father. Bless your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.